This is the Happy Are You Poor podcast, discussing topics related to radical Christian community. This is your host, Malcolm Schlenderfritz. Uh, joining me today is Matthew Flaherty. He worked for two years with Christ in the City, which is a charitable project here in the Denver metro. Hi, Matthew. I'm so glad to have you join us today. Good to be here. Matthew, uh, to get started, could you just, for, for listeners who have never heard about Christ in the City, could you just explain very briefly what they do? Yeah, so Christ in the City is a small missionary organization in Denver, Colorado, that is a community of young adults who serve the um, unhoused in Denver. Um, all the missionaries go in teams on different streets in Denver and walk the streets um, every day and really just get to know and um, become friends with those who are living on the streets, who happen to be walking on the streets, but mostly for um, those unhoused. And yeah, through friendship, just get to know them and to love them and be loved by them and yeah, live life together. You know, I really find the project inspiring. I volunteered on a weekly basis for a few weekend, for a few midweek uh, meals in the park that uh, they served and they had outside volunteers come in to help with that. And uh, my orientation with them and the process of helping were really, uh, really transformative of the way I saw the world. Uh, how did you first become aware of uh, the project? Did you come from the area or are you from somewhere else? I uh, was actually born and raised in Los Angeles, California, and went to uh, college up in Northern California in Humboldt County. Um, which is up by Oregon. And while living there, um, just in our Catholic center, I heard about Christ in the City and the work they were doing. And one summer during um, college, um, visited for two weeks and uh, lived the life with them. And then you decided to come back and spend the full two years? Yeah. Once I got to Christ in the City, I was really... Um, edified and just seeing a community that was praying um, together, living a communal life together. And from that place of um, prayer and community, going out to the streets and inviting the people on the streets into relationship. Had you ever done anything uh, like this before? Or was this kind of your first exposure to this sort of outreach work? Yeah, in uh, Northern California, I worked at a Housing First community ran by um, a lady named Betty Chin, who um, pretty much runs all of the homeless resources for people in rural North Ca or California, Northern California. And just my experience with her and I, her example um, just made me really know that God wanted to be on the streets, um, that he loves the people who are unhoused so much. And there's only one way for um, them to know they're loved, and that's by people going there. Yeah, that was what really struck me too, kind of the spirituality of uh, Christ in the city. It's not like just another, you know, aid organization. You know, there's lots of aid organizations. They do great work. But that uh, I remember being struck when I went for my volunteer orientation that um, they didn't 
they, they stress that like their job is not really to hand out material goods as such. I mean, they do the lunches twice a week and things, but that that wasn't what they're about. Can you talk a little bit more about um, how they see their role in regards to those other organizations that do provide more of an emphasis on material support? Yeah, so in Denver, and I would say most um, metro cities, there's a lot of resources regarding um, meals and, um, I mean, the the overnight shelters are iffy, but meals, like, friends on the street will say, yeah, you could go forever. You will not be hungry in Denver. You will get a meal, which, praise God, that's awesome. Um, but there is a gap in these organizations in that they're often, you know, distant bureaucratized, um, you know, organizations who are professional, um, and there's a big loss of like the humanity aspect and the relational aspect. So where Christ in the city fits in is we go on the streets and, um, we really do just want to become friends. Um, with whoever we're talking to. And as those relationships develop, um, people who are often what we call like resource resistant, like they know the resources, they know the resources more than any missionary on the street does, but they often don't have the um, support to go through that process because it's often very difficult. If you want an ID well, you need all these documents and all those documents are difficult to hold on your person at all times and things get stolen all the time. And you might be close to getting an ID, which would give you the opportunity for a job. Um, but once that stuff gets stolen, that's, um, that's really hard to take. It really uh, kicks you down. Um, and so Christ and city, like in these relationships can help support and love like these people through that. Yeah. I know I was talking to a homeless guy locally. who was explaining to me that like his wallet had got stolen the night before. Uh, and he said, you know, he, he tried, he thought his fingerprints were still on file with the DMV. He thought he could get a replacement, but turns out it was not so easy. And now he was in trouble trying to get all kinds of things that depend on having identification. And also I was also struck uh, during my orientation when they said that like part of the problem is that as they put it, many of these people like never even hear their own names, you know, being spoken that they just sort of, that their like their paper or, or plastic identity cards are one thing, but that their very personal identity starts to, to fade away. And that really, uh, that really stuck with me. I'd never even, you know, thought about that, you know, you think about, oh, you know, sleeping out in the cold, but I'd never thought about that kind of deeper loss of, of a feeling of personhood that could result. Yeah, definitely. Like on the streets, one thing I just learned is like how big that separation is between like someone who's unhoused and visually is unhoused, right? They are often just like by the nature of being outside all the time, um, more dirty, they carry their stuff with them and it's almost like there's a wall around them. Like the world does not want to touch them. They very much are like modern day lepers. Um, 
and people walk by without, with like purposely not trying to make eye contact, right? They do not want to see, I don't know if it's um, their conscience within them, but they, they do not want to see the poor. And that's, that's um, reflects our laws. Like we don't allow the unhoused in areas where the normal public is allowed. Um, but yeah, people, they, they do not want to see and they do not engage them. So when Christ in the city, when we go on the streets, it is very countercultural to um, approach people and to develop relationships with them. Yeah, I know, you know, like for me, it, it was really weird. I, after I went through Christ in the city and, you know, they really drove that home that like these people are socially invisible. And uh, I suddenly started seeing homeless people everywhere. I mean, it's not like I'd never seen any before, but suddenly I was struck by how many I would see around different parts of the metro area. And um, so like for myself, I really think I was subconsciously just blocking that out. I didn't want to, you know, it's uncomfortable to see reality sometimes. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that was one of the really big things I took away that, you know, just giving them the humanity of, of seeing and acknowledging them as if they were any other person. Yeah. And, uh, recently regarding this issue, um, Pope Francis, I don't know, he said something in a general audience about people having dogs and not children. Um, and he got a lot of backlash, I think on like mainstream media. Um, and I just was laughing just at, at the reaction, but one of my like experiences on the street is that if like one of my friends has a dog, people are more likely to stop and, but they won't talk to them. They'll care about the dog, you know? And if you don't have a dog, man, they do not look, but as soon as you have a dog, Oh, they look, they want to buy the dog food, which, okay, that's, that's real kind. Um, but I think we miss like, you know, there's a human person here that is just infinitely valuable, you know, and like is loved by the Lord. And um, we just miss that within like the aesthetics of messiness and dirtiness that surrounds them. You know, we're called to see everyone as a brother or sister in the Lord. And you're like, I think it can be instructive to think how any of us would react if, if a relative was homeless, you know, and um, how we would view that person as opposed to how we view all these other people who we should be seeing as, as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Um, It's certainly like, I I can't say that for me anyway, the experience of, you know, being an occasional uh, lunch volunteer was a pleasant one. It was actually sort of like, it was really convicting. Um, I went away really ashamed of, you know, how I, you know, just been not, not thinking, you know, not, not heeding uh, the poor that were, you know, all around. And, you know, like, obviously it's a, it's a hard, uh, it's, you know, like not everyone is probably called to, you know, volunteer with Christ in the city, but everyone is called to just give that personal touch to those around them, whether the homeless or anyone else. Yeah. And that, I think that personal touch is like something that's really missing within our, like our culture of charity within the United States, it's all through organizations and it often, I think, um, commodifies 
those who are homeless or the poor in any any way as like a problem to like throw money at because that's the only thing we know how to do with commodities right like oh we give money and that that's our relationship with it and so yeah by um just realizing like their humanity my humanity and like we are made for communion with each other um and yeah their status of wealth or their socioeconomic status does not really mean a thing and it it can teach you a lot in how yeah it puts a mirror to you and like all the superficiality you believe in and um the values that are somewhere deep within your heart that you don't want to be there that you know are not of the gospel that you know aren't in Christ's heart and yeah it is it's a process but it it slowly teaches you to love more and more I think for me, one of the striking things, both in the in the orientation and in in that brief experience I had, was that, you know, they told me, well, like, you know, like we're don't we don't see ourselves out there to fix everybody. We're to love people as they are. You know, you can't like can't can be unhealthy. You know, see yourself as the person who you know rides in to save the day, you know, and fix everything for everybody. But then I guess like I found it really psychologically disturbing to me to be serving lunch and you know a few hundred homeless people there and. Like there was so much brokenness and and sadness and just the the people the whole situation was so you know was so wrong that that this was happening and then the people's lives were you know so obviously in a bad spot many of them and you couldn't like you know you could give them a hot dog and like and that was so like that was small like it was like the problem was large and in one says not solvable as such, you know, as you're saying, like throwing money is not going to solve the problem. How, how did you, you know, like, did that affect you during your two years? This feeling that like, in many cases, you know, they can't actually fix the situation. You just have to keep loving people through it. Did that, was that difficult to deal with? I think at times it can be difficult, especially within, as you like grow in relationship with people. Um, I had quite a few friends who, um, yeah, had drug addictions and in friendship, like that addiction and the way it impacted their life was right in front of me. And I, yeah, was there to see it all and there was nothing I could do except like trust that, yeah, love is effective. You know, love might not take us to the outcome we want it to, but I do trust that, like, God's love is effective and it's moving and it's transforming. Um, I've experienced that, and I also know um, God's love will transform my friends on the street. And really trusting in in God's place in this, in His that He cares that He's he cares about them way more than I do. Um, I have a very finite heart that is human and yeah, it can be fickle, but he loves them to in their like totalness. Um, and eventually you just kind of have to give that to the Lord and, um, trust him. Um, but I think in those relationships, like we're not there to like only help, you know, and I think this is something 
um, that can be like missed. Like, oh, so you're there just for like friendship? Well, yes, but within friendship is helping, you know? And I think it really is a way of living what like Catholic social teaching talks about in um, solidarity and subsidiarity is we can only really help the people we know um, and we can only really know them in relationship. And it's from that place that we can actually get somewhere. But if we're like far distant, you know, how do, how do I know the problems this person has or what they need help with? You know, it's only because I see him every day and we talk and it's like, Oh, like you need an ID or, Oh, you need this. Okay. Let's do this together. Like I would with any other friend. That's just so, so beautiful because I've often thought, you know, in the epistle of James, there's some really hard words said for those who think they're Christians and, you know, they see a brother or sister, you know, in need and they say, oh, you know, go in peace, be warm and fed, right? Um, those people are not, not on the path of the gospel. But uh, it, it struck me, you know, as I started to do this research into community building in general that, um, you know, in both my neighborhood and my church, you know, the people in the pew next to me might be starving for all I know, but I wouldn't know. You know, if we're just like a, a mass of disconnected individuals, we won't even know enough to practice the spirituality that James is saying is so essential. That we'll, yeah, we'll just like without friendship, without that community, how how are how are other people's lives supposed to properly affect you so that you can behave in an appropriate way? Um, and, and I like to you're, you're saying that like just trusting that love, you're trusting that God is working through things, trusting that. God loves people that your love can be effective, even if it doesn't you know, like produce immediate dramatic results, because uh, it's very similar. What many of our guests here who have you know started communities have said, you know, like it's a bad idea to like come into community building with like a blueprint all down before you've got the people. Instead, you know, like in meeting the people in friendship, something will develop that might actually look very different than what you thought, but like that it won't be wasted, that it's a good thing in and of itself, not just as like some kind of step towards a final goal. You know, uh, it has struck me before that sometimes we're, we're far too goal oriented in uh, today's world. We don't have enough space for things that are good in and of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I love that epistle from St. James because it's uh, as a community, we pray the liturgy, the hours together, and it's, uh, one of the readings in morning prayer, you know, and that's what we, we pray before we go out on the streets. So it's like very, uh, yeah, it keeps us in check. Like, well, okay. You also like need to, uh, you know, make sure you are helping people as well. Um, but I think it's so easy to be so distant. Like we're so distant in our families, you know, in today's culture. Um, where we don't even really know the people within our own house, let alone our neighbors, let alone, you know, the people around us and um, how not only we can help them, but how just to be in relationship and communion and be there for their joys, be there for their sorrows. Um, and I think it starts in, in the house, in the community, you, you learn to love each other and be there um, for those highs and those lows and that that's just a way of being that's a way of being in communion 
And then that flows into our relationship with um, the people we meet on the streets. So, you know, you're mentioning, you know, praying together with the, the community. Um, can you tell us just a little more about, yeah, day-to-day life with the community at Christ in the City and then day-to-day life, you know, helping the poor on the street? What did a typical day look like? Because you know, one of the things I find so fascinating about it is that it's developing like two different levels of interrelated community among the young adults working and then uh, with the people on the street. Just tell us a little bit about, you know, like day-to-day practicalities, how, how it worked. Yeah, the practicalities is um, we're in an old building in, um, right right close to downtown Denver. And there's about 30 to 35 missionaries each year living in the house. And as a community, uh, we're, we split up and cook meals at certain times, you know, for each other. Um, but we get up in the morning and we pray the liturgy of the hours. We pray for an hour after that, having a holy hour. Um, and then we go onto the streets and then, yeah, we spend time on the streets. Uh, and then we go and go to daily mass. And then in the afternoon, uh, we usually work on something, whether it's like maintaining the organization, um, maintaining the house, you know, like it is a very small, um, organization and it's pretty much ran by the missionaries. Um, so all receiving all the donations we receive food wise, clothes wise, um, making plans with friends. Um, because yeah, not only are we like having, we have our time on the streets, but we also have like intentional invitational time with friends we meet and are in relationship with. Um, so yeah, making plans to like, let's go see a movie. Let's go to lunch at this place. Um, whatever it may be, you know, maybe someone needs help moving into a house, you know, um, or someone in housing going over to their house and, um, just spending time together. Um, so it's, it's kind of loose in the afternoons. Um, but it does, it does kind of, uh, resemble religious life in a lot of ways. Just the, the community prayer, praying the hours. We pray morning prayer, night prayer together and go to mass together. Yeah, that's really beautiful. You know, as one of the one of the practical elements, I'm I'm wondering. You know, you get this question a lot from people um, who are wondering, like they they feel like you shouldn't give anything to the poor who are begging, whether they're unhoused or or not, um, because that you know they the the naysayers would say, well, that just you know fuels addiction, and and so you shouldn't give anything to people. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? And how like if someone wants to really help. How can they do so in a way that's both uh, safe and and as effective as it can be? Yeah. So first with the the money aspect, yeah, people are really afraid to give their money and not know where it'll go. But I am like, I mean, we spend our money, most most people spend their money without thinking, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm going to go buy this, like, I don't know, $5 kombucha or whatever. Um, and don't think about it, you know? Um, and so like, why is it we really care if someone's going to also misspend that money? But like, okay, if you're really worried, like 
they're going to spend it bad and that that's like that that's a bad thing i would just think like if you're on the streets like yeah food like yeah you can hand out um food and stuff like that's really helpful gift cards but you also do like you need cash to survive you know could you imagine just like living life without any cash like it's pretty unimaginable you know there's like things that gift cards can't buy like maybe he needs this person needs to go buy a blanket or you know maybe they need to buy something you know um bus fares anything so i'm i'm more of like the side of like if someone's begging me like i i will give you money because you know you you are dignified enough to have money in your pocket and to spend it and in reality like i have enough money you know so it's really not mine anymore it is it is the poor's that's that's a good way to put it you know that seeing them as someone with dignity because you wouldn't like put that same standard on you know somebody else it, it's you know because i i used to be kind of a, of the school of thought like well you know like yeah you shouldn't give things to people on the street because you know they're all on drugs or which is of course not entirely true anyway but um but even beyond that uh yeah, I started to realize, like, you know, lots of other people are addicted to things who aren't on the street. You know, like, it's not it's not limited to them. And and I think, I don't remember where, I read this spirituality book that said that, it was saying that we should give to whoever asks. Like, that was the, the way of the early church. That's the way of the saints throughout time. You know, by asking, they have a right to, to receive. And, um, and they said that it's because each of us, every morning, God gives us a new day, and we always misspend it just about you know we do the stupidest things we, we sin with the the good day that god gave and god gives another day and we'll be judged you know this i wish i could remember where i where i read this but it was it was moving it was like well yeah you know who of us could say that we've used well all the time and resources that god has given to us so and i'm also thinking uh, i think it was yeah pope francis was saying uh uh, it was some kind of situation. I can't remember if it was before he became Pope or not, but he was giving money to the poor and someone said, oh, they'll just go and buy a drink. And the Pope said, you know, in, in their position, I think I would also maybe want a drink. <laughs> but they're like, kind of like, you know, it's not like, it's not our business. With the drink aspect, you know, it's like, yeah, okay. Some people are addicted and it it's problematic, you know, but like, do, do those on the streets not, also get the joy of to have festival you know or because they're on the streets they never get to have any sort of festival or good time you know what i mean like i i've always thought like they they want to celebrate things and that's the way they do it you know us in our catholic faith we believe in the legitimacy of like alcohol um so it's definitely abused but it's not like full stop um for the poor as well yeah there can be this very kind of ugly uh like victorian style um charity to the poor where you know like your job is to like you know kind of be the moral police or like even like uh people who have you know, poor people who have houses and whatever a lot of people say well you know like look that person has a television set 
I'm not giving them any money. They don't, they shouldn't get anything because, you know, Hey, they have a television set again. Like you don't apply that standard to other people. You'd be willing to give gifts, very expensive gifts sometimes to family members that have a television set. The poor are really in so many ways, just not seen as human beings. Um, I, I know I worked with a, a food bank and because they were a Christian organization, they said, we absolutely do not make them like give us any kind of financial background. Like they assume that people who show up are hungry mm-hmm. and the people loved it. The people, the recipients loved it because unlike many government run food banks and similar agencies, we did not snoop through their lives to see if they were worth getting the food that we were handing out. Yeah. And do you think like, you know, at our death, God is going to be like, man, you should not have given that man money. Like, and because of this, to hell no way like i just don't believe that's like the heart of god at all and we're we're going to be judged for not giving and that doesn't mean like that's our only way of loving those who are unhoused but i would just reflect on our um our holding to that money and like why we're so reluctant to give it yeah like uh that, that is a good point, too. Like, what are we going to do with it otherwise? You know, like, is what we're going to do necessarily so wonderful? Because that, too, you know, like, this wasn't part of, like, the, the training or anything, but coming home from the first time I volunteered with Crisis City, I started to think about the fact that, like, like, you know, so, okay, so they were addicted to drugs or something. Well, like the, all the things I've done wrong in my life and just because they hadn't, you know, landed me on the street or something, they hadn't had like outwardly disastrous consequences, but like in the eyes of God, did, did it make any difference? You know, like I realized that I'd been holding to this double standard where, because these people had, you know, not all of them, obviously many homeless people are homeless through no fault of their own, but some of them might be homeless through, uh, you know, addiction or something. And my sins didn't land me on this, but like, does that mean, that they were any less grave, you know, like I, I had somehow set up kind of a standard of social respectability uh, instead of the morality that, that God actually preaches. And that also to me was a real wake up call to start, you know, thinking about what I was doing with my life. If I was going, if I was going to you know, look down on people who had made some kind of mistake, you know, how many mistakes, <laughs> had I made it, it, that was, that was to me a really revealing part of the whole process. Yeah. As Dorothy Day says, uh, Christ makes it to where we can't, um, separate the deserving poor and the undeserving poor all are deserving. Yeah. And, and that's such a much, so much more of a healthy perspective. We're all going to come before God with empty hands and beg for salvation. Uh, there's that, uh, the great book, um, uh, the Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, where one of the people can't make it into heaven because he only wants his rights. He said he's, you know, never, never taken anything in his life. He's always earned everything he ever had. He said, like, he's never even, never even received a drink without paying for it. And he's told, well, you know, like here in, in heaven, it's so much better. You won't get what you deserve. That's really good because, you know, if we all got what we deserve, we'd all be in trouble. But here, you know, we're given mercy. And he didn't want any mercy. Mm-hmm. He wanted to earn earn everything he'd ever got, and he went to hell. He chose to go back because 
he couldn't accept a gift from God. And uh, that too, uh, that, that's it's a very, uh, very insightful, I think, because in, I don't know, I don't know what, what exactly it is about our culture, but we do put a lot of stress on, you know, like measuring up, earning things. And we can't, you know, in the most important things in life. So, you know, if, if you had to, you know, kind of like distill like what you learned about community in particular from from your time with Christ and say, what would you like say was like the, the key things that stood out to you about the experience of, of being in community? The experience of being in community was humbling from the beginning. And um, when I, you know, graduated college and was joining this missionary organization of young Catholics. I really expected um, everyone to kind of think all the same and be just like St. Paul style apostles. Um, And it was within community I learned of, you know, others' brokenness, my own brokenness, and loving in our complexity loving it loving people who are so different from me who do not want the things i want um and allowing my love myself to be loved by others um in my difference and like now i'm married and i think it's only in living in community was a big part of me learning to actually receive another person as they are without putting, um, you know, walls around them or a a box that they had to fit this, but giving them the space to reveal themselves and um, to receive that and to love it. And to me to, or, and for me to reveal myself to others and um, to be received. Yeah, that aspect of, you know, like <clears throat> being able to let oneself receive, uh, it does come up a lot in when people talking about community life. And it's complex, you know, like each community is so different. Even each year at Christ in the City is way different because there's, you know, at least half of the missionaries have not been there before. And then, so you have, you know, 15 people with different personalities, 15 people with uh, different life stories. um, And each one reflects the glory of God in a different way. So there's no community that looks the same, but each community is a gift and each community is willed by God and each community, um, is really just a gift for you to receive in the individual and as the whole. Yeah. Is there any, you know, like, is there any particular stories about from your time that you think would really illustrate, you know, what it was like, kind of the, the ups and downs of living this way of life? You know, it's, it, it's really hard to, to think about what characterizes the way of life because it so much formed me and is it's become like abnormal or it's become normal 
to where it's hard to be like, oh yeah, this is because of my time at Christ in the City. This is because of my time on the streets. And then this is because of my time in community. Um, it's just been integrated into me so much that it's hard to to really be able to pinpoint those things. Like I, I work now as a electrician and I'm I'm learning again that like yeah it's not normal to or it's not the norm to like love those who are on the streets and to actually have affection for them because I'll talk about like stories from my time at Christ in the city and that people look at me like I'm crazy and I think yeah that that's kind of like oh man like you don't see the like goodness there you know whether I share like um something happening in a friend's life or someone I met with people but I think the experience with my time at Christ in the City was within two years like so vast and like my relationship with people on the streets was um so different like each relationship was so different that person was so, like somewhere different in their life and I was somewhere different in my life um and that that makes a, a new thing but um I think like one of my like dearest friends his name was Aaron and he uh he was kind of antisocial. like he he hung out at the day center that I went to and didn't really like to talk and after months and months and months of um, just trying to like have conversation with him, like he like shared with me that he like he just experienced um, social anxiety and was like really afraid to say the wrong thing in a conversation. But you know, I kept kept friendship with him, and slowly like we became really good friends. And um, and as time went on, I was able to introduce him to the other missionaries. And he, like, developed friendships with them. And uh, you could just see, like, slowly a light in his eyes kind of brightening. And uh, I got to take him to the classic uh, Casa Bonita um, restaurant in Denver, which is, like, super famous um, for his birthday. And we are sitting there at dinner, and he was he just said, this is the first birthday I've celebrated in 10 years. Um and just like being able to celebrate him and um, just reflecting like his life means something to me. Like his personality means something to me. Getting to share about the NBA together and talk about scores, you know, on a Monday morning as we I walk the streets, like means something to me. Um, and so I think like my time at Christ in the City um, has really shape me to where I want to be in relationship with people and I want to um, have my life directed towards that. It's interesting. You're mentioning sort of, um, I don't know, I guess you could call it culture shock, you know, coming from the world of Christ in the city to the world that unfortunately doesn't, doesn't work like Christ in the city sort of. Uh, but I suppose, you know, I, I, I've, you know, thought more about how, you know, if we, uh, um, 
you know, entering into some kind of community setting might be kind of a culture shock, but I suppose then also, you know, like leaving it. That's very interesting. Yeah, leaving it can be pretty difficult, I would say, for a lot of missionaries just because of the nature of the community. Um, You're very close with people. You have a very, like, scheduled way of life. Um, And you love being on the streets. So, like, transitioning to a place where you have a job, you have, like, different responsibilities, and then you also live probably with people who have not had that experience of community. So their expectations of what it means to live together and um, be be together and live life together is so different. Um, and it often reflects more of our like individualistic like um, worldview. And so like coming into contact with that and um, trying to cultivate community amongst that can be difficult. Yeah. So like, you know, speaking to that, like what are your, you know, like long-term plans, uh, now, do you have any, you know, desire to like be part of something similar again in some way, or, you know, do something with your experience in, in the long run besides, you know, obviously like, as you're saying, like it changed your outlook and everything, but like, as far as, you know, finding more of a Christian community, because I find that's often, you know, like people who have had these sort of experiences um, can be kind of, you know, disappointed that like our Catholic parishes are not very communal and not very supportive to those who want something a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, recently got married about like four months ago. And um, so I've been just like discerning with my wife and, you know, we've been like dreaming together, which has been, really beautiful and bringing that to the Lord and allowing him to um, inspire us and the poor and the houseless or whatever community is will always, will always be a part of our lives. Um, That's something we're very um, feel called by the Lord that like they will, our life will not be just closed in on ourselves but we'll be open to receive others and to be received by them. Um, so how that looks, I don't know. The biggest dream, um, partly because, honestly, because of your podcast um, and just listening to communities and the Tradiste community um, and other ones, but like a Catholic worker farm of some sort, um, I think would be ideal. I'm an electrician. So I would like to own my own company that is um, a co-op style um, electrician company that specifically tries to hire people who are looking for a career specifically from the streets. But honestly, the possibilities are endless, and I like trust the Lord that like He will He will present those opportunities, you know, as time goes on. Um, but now I'm just, you know, kind of young married man working a job, trying to, uh, trying to learn how to love still. Yeah, that's, I'm so glad that you found the podcast useful. I've been really inspired by all these communities that are, you know, sharing their, their story 
it's so very inspiring that kind of the diversity of, of different possibilities that are out there. And, you know, you're, you're, if it ever came to pass, you know, some kind of business that focused on, um, you know, really providing dignified work for people who need it. Um, that's, that's so amazing. You know, like there are uh, entities out there um, that do that sort of thing. I'm actually trying to uh, line up interviews with a couple of, uh, of those kind of projects that are focused more on kind of the economic side of thing, things, you know, to really build an economic basis for community life. Um, because I, you know, I think that's a really critical part of it that without having an economic basis in some way supporting the community, if it's pulling the opposite way from community life, it'll be very difficult to keep the community together in the long term. The, the forces of economics are such that they really pull, pull against any kind of communal friendship. Yeah, I think we've put like kind of economics as number one on our list of like priority instead of that community when really maybe we should put community first and allow economics to flow from that. That's why I think the Catholic worker farms are really inspiring. And uh, there are a lot of projects out there that I'm excited to see where they go. You know, like working together can be so uh, such a good way to build community. Like I ran an urban farm for a few years and, you know, just working together can, can be a great way to bridge all kinds of divides and give somebody something in common that they're all interested in. As we, uh, you know, draw towards the end of our time here, I like to kind of close on like a practical note. So if you had to like give, you know, based on your time, if you had to give someone a, a piece of practical advice, what kind of practical advice would you give someone as far as, you know, relating to the poor and, and trying to grow in the Christian community of love? Yeah, my number one advice would be, one, to realize you're not as busy as you think you are. And if you are that busy, you should probably cut some things from your life um, and make space for the poor. Um, particularly, like, if you live in a metro area, you will see um, someone who is unhoused, like, without trying, I'm guessing. You know, and maybe planning in your schedule, like I'm going to leave if you're like a super scheduled person, like I'm going to leave time to where I can be interrupted and I can spend time with the person and I can ask someone's name. Like you were saying earlier, like a lot of people don't get to hear their names very often and asking someone their name, remembering their name and really being open to friendship with another, which means also sharing yourself and sharing your name and it it builds slowly you don't you know you don't just dive into being best friends with someone but slowly over time it it builds um so i just i would just say like friendship is is necessary i think the gospel calls us to it um and we need these relationships yeah thanks so much for that advice and i like that uh that piece of advice about realizing that you have to leave time because if there's one thing people are perhaps, you know, cling to more tightly than their money, it's time. <laughs> it's, it's hard to give up time. And that's, that's very good advice. So thanks so much, uh, Matthew, for uh, joining us. I'm so glad you were able to be on the podcast today. Thank you, Malcolm.